the GenTech podcast discussing business, investing, and marketing. Hey guys, welcome back to the GenTech podcast, bringing you valuable and inspirational discussion with top business owners. Today we have on Kelsey Duncan, host of the Traditionally Incorrect podcast. Today we're going to talk to her about her journey as an entrepreneur and how she took some of her setbacks and turned those into opportunities. So Kelsey, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for coming. Again, I've been a little stuffed up today, so if I sound a little odd or I clear my throat, please bear with me. Yes, <laughs> you are fine. Thank you. So first, I really want to get into you know those interests and passions that led you to your long career of being an entrepreneur. So how did you really know that you know you wanted to be your own boss? I think it started at a very young age for me. Um, probably middle school, you know, lemonade stands, right? That's what everyone starts out with. Mm -hmm. uh, but I liked in running those lemonade stands, like figuring out exactly what I wanted to sell, how much I wanted to sell it for, who I was going after, like all those little pieces that added up were really exciting to me. And then when I was in high school, my first business, I had a group of friends that were football players and they weren't super, hands like they didn't know how to do a lot of things around the house mm -hmm. but what i found is that the people that lived in my neighborhood were fine with telling them what they needed to have done and kind of show them but then just have a hands-off like hey go take care of that like go pull the weeds go trim this help me with this paint this and so i started a a little company called high school handy boys and i would take my golf cart and i would drive these beautiful football players <laughs> around and drop them off at my neighbor's houses, have them do handiwork. Mm -hmm. And then I would just drink my lemonade and, and watch them. And then I would make a commission wow. off of whatever they did. So that was my first dip into the pool of entrepreneurship for in a, in a real sense. Mm -hmm. And I I loved it. I mean, who wouldn't love that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that was my, my first big, oh, okay. I love this. Mm -hmm. I love the ability to go out and start something and to employ other people and to give them the ability to make money and to feel self-reliant and sustaining. So it was really, it was a good experience. Especially in high school, you really saw that opportunity. Like, you know, these boys want to make money, but didn't exactly know how. So right. it's great that you were able to help them and, you know, obviously in turn also help yourself. Right. And they were football players, so they couldn't really go out and get traditional jobs, right? They couldn't, they didn't have time between school and practice and all that. So it was a great way on, on the weekends when they did have time, hey, I have three or four hours today, which neighbor needs help, you know? And so that was great. And I think my second business was also in high school and I came home one day, it was after I was driving. So I was probably about 17, 16 and a half, 17. Mm -hmm. And I had my uh, business wholesale license. My mom goes, wow. how did you get that? And I said, well, I just looked it up online during during lunch and uh, drove to the, I can't remember what building it was, but probably not the tax collector building. It's one of the buildings that you go in to file those kinds of things. And I just had them walk me through it. And she was like, what are you doing with that? And I was like, well, I figured I'd start ordering clothes wholesale and um, sell them to the people in our neighborhood. And she was like, okay, go for it. So from a very young age, I realized that I didn't ever want to be told what I needed to do, when I needed to be somewhere, how I needed to do something. And I think entrepreneurship for those types of kids is mm -hmm. a great outlet. It's just being able to determine your life. So yeah, I would say it's in my blood for sure. And it's great that you found that at such a young age, you know, you knew in high school that, you know, you got your license and what'd you do with it? You wanted to become your own boss and that's right. amazing. And 
as we talked about, I think you really brought that into your college experience. So when you went to college, what was on your mind? Like what type of business? I told myself that before I went to college mm -hmm. that I would not graduate without a business. It was just in my head, like I'm not gonna graduate without a self-sustaining endeavor. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to have something that was really established and that would carry me into adulthood. Uh, but I also knew I need to have a little bit of a college experience. Like I don't wanna yeah. go in and just head first into business and lose out on those years. Yes. Uh, but it landed in my lap, right? So I was going through sorority recruitment as everyone did that came from my hometown. I went to a SEC university mm -hmm. and if you went to an SEC school, you joined a sorority or fraternity. And so I went through that recruitment process and it was really hard. Like I'm not the sorority type, which is such a stereotype. And I learned going through it, there's many different types of women that go mm -hmm. through, but I did feel like there was a, I don't know, a stereotypical underlying feeling, right? Of like, okay, if I don't look this way, have this, drive this, I'm not from here, my parents don't do this, then I won't get into that house. And so that was very jarring. Mm -hmm. And then also the recruitment process was very stressful, overwhelming. It felt like you would go to each one of these houses and by the end of the day, you would forget what you thought about house A, B, C because you'd gone A through Z. And so there was not really any moment for you to sit and think, hey, what do I really think about this? Mm -hmm. Not just do they like me, but do I like them? Do we have the same interests, the same values? And going through that process, I realized, okay, there's gaps, right? Any entrepreneur will go and find 50 things wrong with any process mm -hmm. or, or product or tool. And so I started making notes in my head of like, okay, this could be fixed. So I joined a sorority and I realized that I got into the wrong sorority for myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that decision that I made that was not the best for me, I realized that if I had had the tool that I was thinking of in my head, I probably would have made the right decision, right? I probably would have listened to my intuition and really took the time to figure out what I was thinking. And so the end of that first year, I sat down and decided, okay, I'm gonna fix this. <laughs> and created an app. I found it a developer and that's a whole other story. I won't go too much into detail today about that, but just really went out there and found the pieces, right? Mm -hmm. Graphic designer, check. App developer, check. And one pitch competitions at my school, uh, two of them back to back. I never pitched formally before and won $20,000 in three weeks. Wow. And yeah, took it from nothing to something. And that was most of my college experience was, was creating that application and really getting my feet wet with real entrepreneurship, so. That's incredible that you really saw the problem in recruitment. I right. also was in a sorority, okay, so, so you get it. I completely get it. Yeah. And you know, obviously I've seen things, I was on the executive board, I see so many like problems within it, but right. having and making that solution that no one else has come up with before is right. really incredible, especially as a college student when you're so busy. Absolutely. So I know, you know, that experience was really shaped you and what did that teach you? I think more than anything, so obviously there's a little bit of backstory, but that company ended up at, I started it at 19 and by 21, I thought that I was going to be rich and super fulfilled and just happier than I'd ever been. And instead I was broke, jaded and pissed off. Mm -hmm. So I poured everything I had into creating this. And at the end of the day, um, the people that I thought were put in place to protect me ended up betraying me and they took it. They copied the entire thing. It was, I was patent pending. It didn't matter. 
Um, and I think that that experience really taught me, one, that the world has a way of intervening when things aren't right. You know, I really believe in everything happens for a reason. And now looking back, I know that that type of business wasn't aligned with who I am today and at the core. Two, not everyone has your best interest at heart. Even the people that you think are literally either being paid or put into a position to have your best interest at heart, right? I still have flashbacks of moments where I thought, man, if I had really just paid attention, then I, I could have stopped this from happening. Um, so not everyone has your best interest, but don't let that define you, right? It's If you go looking for trouble, you're always gonna find trouble. If you go looking for bad people, that's all you're gonna see. Um, and so take everything with a, a grain of salt and a healthy dose of skepticism, but don't allow that to that fear to cripple you. Because it did for me for a while. It took my confidence and I felt like I'm never gonna create anything again, right? Um, but I think the third thing would just be enjoy it while it happens. So many people, and I'm really guilty of this, put off the celebration, the win, the pride. And you look back and you realize, when did I ever take time to be proud of what I had done? I didn't, I kept saying, oh, if I just get here, if I just do this, then I'll be proud of myself. And some people don't get that later, right? We watched it happen in the pandemic. So many people that were banking on 30, 40, 50, 60 more years to make their dreams happen, had it robbed from them. Mm -hmm. And I think really taking a moment every day to think, what did I do today that I'm proud of? It'll get you where you wanna be faster or keep you from where you don't wanna be faster as well, right? It keeps you in check. Um, so yeah, I think those are my top three. And kind of let's dive into those. So first, you know, you said that you were patent pending. So right. what do you think the importance is for these entrepreneurs and anyone Absolutely. listening, the importance of patents and trademarks? Absolutely. So I did trademark, traditionally incorrect, my podcast name, and we'll get into that. Mm -hmm. um, I do think that trademarks are great. I think they're a great way of protecting your, your brand, your name, your whatever it may be that you're protecting or, or creating. Uh, but you also have to know that with patenting, especially technology, it's very easy to get around a patent um, for someone that wants to, mm -hmm. right? And so I would say, if I had to do it all over again with a patent on technology, I might not do it. Um, and that's for everyone to decide, talk to your attorney, really figure out what it is that you have that can be copyrighted, um, if there's a flow of things that can be patented, the, the look, the feel, whatever it may be. But I think one of the biggest things I also learned from this is there's always gonna be someone that is waiting to come and, and make a different iteration of something, right? Mm -hmm. Like if they didn't, we, we'd still be driving around in like buggies and carriages. There's always someone that's gonna come and innovate on top of whatever's been created, which is great. That's how we move forward in life. Um, but if you get really tied up and wrapped up in trying to, to protect, you'll make decisions that, that hold you back and hold your business back. And so it's been hard for me trying to figure out how to let go a little bit, mm -hmm. but also be smart. Because like I said, I still have things I look back on and think, oh, if I had just really listened to what you were saying there, could have probably protected myself. Like mm -hmm. one, one thing that still sticks in my head is in a meeting, I was explaining the idea in detail to someone that could have helped implement it on a grand scale. And they said, I wish you would just let us buy it from you. And at the time I, I was young, right? Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there and I was like, well, no, I really want to create this to change the platform for everyone and to get good values 
focused and based people into an organization to change it from the inside out and to really focus on what it was supposed to be at in the beginning. And so I was sitting there like kind of going back and forth with mm -hmm. them. And if I had known what I know now, I probably, my ears would have perked up and thought, there's something a little nefarious about what you're saying right mm -hmm. now because the next meeting was we're no longer interested, right? So it's things like that. You definitely want to pay pay attention, but don't get so tied up in protection and fear that you make decisions out of those places. They're not healthy. So. And you made that point, you know, not everyone has your best interests. Right. And it definitely, it is true, but it's, it's really hard, especially as a young entrepreneur, you hear like, ask people questions. Like right. there's so many people who would love to be your mentor and help you. But then also, like you said, there's people that don't have your best interest in their heart and they're just right. thinking about themselves. So what lessons have you learned that have allowed you to now pinpoint, you know, like, is this person really trying to help me or right. are they trying to hurt me? I think going through things that I did, um, just having such a, what felt like such a massive betrayal really for a while knocked me down. I felt like I couldn't trust anyone. Um, but what I have come to realize is there's a difference between people wanting to do what you do and then actually executing it. Mm -hmm. So there are people that, okay, great. Yeah, that's an awesome idea, but I would never want to do that. It's like telling a stay at home mom with five kids that she could go out and make millions of dollars if she developed a technology or this new piece of clothing or whatever and go change her life. She has five kids. She wants to be home with her kids. Why would she ever do that? She mm -hmm. think it's an amazing idea, but she's never going to act on it. Right. Um, but it's also just knowing which pieces to keep to yourself, I think. Um, some of the things that might be harder to protect in a sense, um, your trade secrets, right? Your secret sauce. Like you don't go around telling everyone all of your financial information mm -hmm. and your social security number. Like just be very selective about what you do. Um, allow to be talked about and to be seen. But also, again, like I said, it's execution. Most people aren't interested in doing what you're doing and they don't want anything to do with it at the end of the day. It's just knowing who is in a position to want to do what you're doing and then to have the ability to go and make it happen are the people that you, I, in my opinion, should be a little more weary of, right? Mm -hmm. People go on Shark Tank every day. Those people have unlimited resources to do what you're doing, but they're so busy and they've got so many businesses and why would they want to, right? Why would they want to go out and do that? So it's just being really aware of who you're talking to and what you're saying. Looking back on that situation, you know, you were young, but what can you, you know, tell our viewers, like, this is what I could have done differently. And you know, this is what you should do next time that you have this idea and you're so willing to share it with others. So one of the things that I asked for when I recognized that everything was essentially copied and pasted and taken was take it down, right? And then protect other people put measurements in place that will not allow this to happen again. NDAs, non-competes. Like if someone approaches you with this, then you're tight-lipped, you can't do anything about mm -hmm. it. Um, so I think that having those, of course, NDAs and non-competes, nine times out of 10 might not hold up in court, right? But it is an extra layer of, layer of protection. It signifies that there was verbal or written or by pigeon, some sort of agreement yeah. that, hey, what we're talking about is confidential, right? So I would have done that. I think that I also probably would have, I would have been a little bit more vocal about being the face, right? I kept trying to 
kind of take a back seat to the business. I didn't want to be the, the face of the brand. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in doing that, you do armor yourself a little bit. Like when people know, like, and trust you, they're going to want to protect you. And so by putting myself in the background in the shadows, I think not a lot of people realize, oh, that business, that's Kelsey Duncan. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that there would have been a, an extra layer of protection there if I had. So definitely own your business, own your brand, be the face, let people know who you are, be vulnerable, um, authentic, show up and show out. And I can really tell that you've, you know, taken those lessons and really implemented into what you do now. You know, right. you are about to be the host of this podcast where you're helping people learn these lessons from hearing other entrepreneurs. And right. you know, you're the perfect person to do it because you really have been through that. And right. I know we talked about another app you created and, yes. and that story. So do you wanna tell our viewers about that? Yeah, I'll get into a little bit of that. Second app that I created um, was in the middle of the pandemic and it was for the real estate market. And the app was to help people figure out what home was best for them, to help them connect their with their agent and the agent connect with the client faster and to really determine what the best fit was. Uh, and I spent the entire pandemic getting that ready for market. And then what happened during the pandemic, the entire real estate industry flipped on its head and no one had a choice in what they were buying anymore. It was, you get what you get, you don't throw a fit. So again, it's kind of this, this, the same lesson, like, okay, that wasn't for me, right? That's my first inkling is like, clearly this wasn't supposed to happen, but ouch, that hurt. Like, I thought the horse was ready for me to get back on and now it's bucking me off. And it's like, no, no, you're not doing this either. Mm -hmm. um, but it was also a lesson in right product, wrong time. They always say you either have the right product for the wrong target market or the wrong target market in the right product or the wrong timing and it was, a culmination of a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. And it taught me a lot about control. Like I can't control what happens. No one could control the pandemic hitting, right? No mm -hmm. one could control what happened in the real estate industry. And so for me as an entrepreneur, I've now had healthy doses of reality of, okay, not everyone has your best interest. Some things are meant to happen and are not meant to happen. You can't control them. And all you can do is control how you show up after. So it's a lot. It was a lot for sure. And you know, the question of when to launch is yeah. is really hard. It is. Because like you said, like these are things that are fully out of your control, even though you thought you have this great idea that would have been so amazing at that time, things change so fast. Right. So what was that lesson and, and what did you learn and how do you apply it now from, you know, that small setback or big setback? Yeah, I think I think constantly doing research right be very aware of the industry you're in and kind of the trends about and what's happening in that industry right like just following twitter and industry trends and figuring out what's really going on in the, the industry you're trying to enter is really important and staying up to date on that right we don't want to become a, the blockbuster right mm -hmm. like where did that go um and so just really being aware of who you are in the market what you're trying to enter um, my biggest lesson was just, I can't control this, right? Like when something like this comes out of left field, all I can do is stop asking, why is this happening to me? And start asking, why is this happening for me? Right? It's just one little word switch, but it makes the biggest difference. Um, and just knowing that you have to relinquish a lot of that control as an entrepreneur. I used to not want to delegate anything to anyone. And now I'm realizing that delegation and building a team that you trust is your actual superpower. 
Um, and so I think those are very important. So from hearing, you know, these experiences that you went through, you are extremely optimistic through everything and- you Used to not be. Yeah. It's taken a lot of work. Yeah. So how did you, you know, really build your confidence as an entrepreneur and as, you know, a business owner? And how'd you stay optimistic through all of these setbacks? It was very hard. A lot of tears. Um, a lot of, like I said, I used to think, why is this happening to me? And then there was a switch to why is this happening for me? And I think that a lot of us fail to recognize or maybe don't want to that the things that tear us down are actually the things that will help us build others up, right? So the worst things that have happened to me prepare me to help you through the worst things that have happened to you. Um, and recognizing that as a strength is really important. But for me, it was, I spent about eight or nine days in South Africa um, and I hosted an, a, like a reverse pitch competition for entrepreneurs. Um, so instead of, it was students that were judging mm -hmm. and I was the one on the ground, boots on the ground with a research professor and we had an amazing time. Um, but I, th during the time that I spent there, I realized that my passion and what really lights me up is seeing others in their passion and then what lights them up. And so through that experience, I got a little inkling of like, whoa, this really lit me up. Like this was super empowering and made me feel my passion again. And you know, in one of my darkest moments, and then I, I came back and that was between the first company in college um, and then the one during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so I got that little taste of like, I could do this again. And then this second business happened in the mm -hmm. pandemic and the switch of the market. Um, <clears throat> so I had to, I don't think I quite learned that lesson at that moment, mm -hmm. that that was where I got my spark back. Um, but I started spending a lot of time with other entrepreneurs, right? So I started, I had already had the idea of starting some so sort of platform or show for entrepreneurship because a lot of people, even just talking about, and this is a new segment that's going to be coming, like the things we weren't taught in school, right? How to actually get wealthy and keep wealth and to invest and yada, yada, yada. Um, and so I was spending a lot of time with these entrepreneurs trying to figure out what my angle was going to be. Like, what do you do? Why do you do it? Who are you? That kind of thing. How do you handle all of the highs and the lows? Um, and I was watching a lot of content at that point too of entrepreneurship. Cause I was like, God, I gotta get, gotta keep going, right? The, the biggest thing that separates the people we have never heard of that had a great idea and faded into oblivion and the Mark Zuckerbergs and the Elon Musks of the world is they didn't stop. They just kept going. Mm -hmm. um, and so I realized again, hey, I'm getting lit up talking to these people about what they're doing because they're so excited about it. And you mm -hmm. can't fake genuine passion and optimism and, and just excitement really. And so I was getting it back again, but I was also watching that content. And I realized that a lot of the content out there for entrepreneurs or business in general, a guy would be driving in a, in a car and he'd be talking about how he was starving and couldn't afford his last meal, but he's driving a Lamborghini and he's telling you that his life is great and he lives on an island and he owns a yacht. And you're like, where's the gap, right? Mm -hmm. Like what happened in that time period that allowed you to get where you are? And how did you navigate the inevitable highs and the lows? And so it wasn't very inspirational for me. It actually mm -hmm. made me think like, what's wrong with me? Why isn't it happening for me? Um, and in spending time with those entrepreneurs kind of at the same time, I was realizing there's so many lessons from these people that can be learned. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's where the, the idea for Traditionally Incorrect came from. Mm -hmm. um, and so Traditionally Incorrect is my play on words of 
someone that is not subscribing to a traditionally expected or accepted life, right? Entrepreneurs by definition are traditionally incorrect. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me was centered around finding people that are choosing a traditionally unexpected, unaccepted lifestyle, how they're navigating it, the lessons they're learning and the, the advice they would give to others and compiling that in a content format that is authentic and inspires people to like I say, get out of your head and get into action, mm -hmm. creating the life that you're most passionate about. Um, and then coincidentally, living a life that is traditionally incorrect. Um, and so spending those time, that time with those entrepreneurs, spending the time in South Africa, uh, just seeing people in general just doing the damn thing, got me back to a point where I was like, all right, I can do this damn thing. Like, I can mm -hmm. do it again, right? Yeah. I'm signing back up, I'm getting back on this horse, do not fuck me off, let's go. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. But. It definitely did. Right. <laughs> you know, that's how you really told us how you found your passion again right. and gained that confidence. And you know, you saw a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that's amazing. Like that's such great advice, obviously watching content, but like you were saying, like actually talking to these entrepreneurs, these business owners. Right. And what do you think those good questions are to ask to, to get those hard lessons and to get that like really good information from these entrepreneurs? I think first and foremost, it's getting someone into a position to be vulnerable and to be authentic. Uh, I think society has trained us that being empathetic and soft and honest is a weakness and it couldn't be further from the truth, mm -hmm. right? your vulnerabilities are your superpower. And like I said, the things you've gone through are the things that will help someone else get through what they're going through. Uh, that is your talent. That's what you bring to the world. Uh, so getting people into the right frame of mind of, I'm here to serve others. I'm not here to serve my ego. I'm not here to stroke my ego. I'm not here to get a bigger head and feel like I just am the best that ever happened, right? It's I'm here to share authentically what I went through to hopefully inspire someone else. Uh, that's a really big thing. And then questions like, I love fun questions like, do you believe a college degree is necessary? Mm -hmm. It gets people thinking of like, well, no, I don't, but why? You know, I don't ever really talk about that. Or do you think entrepreneurs are born or bred? Can you, do you wake up and you just, okay, I'm a, a newborn and I'm an entrepreneur? Or can you be molded into one? Mm -hmm. And it's been really fun to interview couples. Um, there's typically one that is like, I was born an entrepreneur and one that was like, he or she bred me into an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, and so getting that dichotomy of like the yin and yang and just, it's, it's very cool. But questions like, um, like that and then I think one of the biggest one was what was the moment that everything almost fell apart? Like what was that oh shit moment for you, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh my God, this is all over. And then what did you do to pivot and get back up? Um, I think those are really great. It gets a lot of deep responses. And that's what you really need. And I love that question that you said, because I feel like for you, you know, you were born an entrepreneur, yes. but you also bred yourself into one. Right, because I could have given up many times, exactly. right? And then you have to choose it. It's not just, oh, it's in my blood and I'm gonna just accept it. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree with you. And you know, your journey to finding your passion was super unique. And I think everyone is forever on that search of yes. what gets me going. like. They want their career to be their passion, but you know, not everyone has the luxury or, or makes it important as you did. And right. what advice would you have? Like, how do you find that passion? I would say, I would say I'm still figuring it out. I think that anyone says they have it all figured out is lying. Mm -hmm. I don't think that anyone at any age 
has it all figured out. I think we're constantly evolving. I've always said if I'm not learning and growing, I'm dying, right? And I don't intend to die anytime soon. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think just being aware that there's not gonna be a moment in life where you wake up and you think, damn, I've got it all figured out, or this is the best, or I'm at my peak, or X, Y, Z. You're never, people think that money just solves everything, right? If I could just make this much money, then I would be happy. Stop prolonging your happiness and stop telling yourself that there's this magic button in life that makes everything easy. I think once you recognize that you are constantly going to be changing your mind, constantly going to be learning, constantly going to find new things that make you happy and light you up, and not getting so stressed out and thinking, I've gotta have it all figured out by now, mm -hmm. you know, or, or I should be further in life, or I should have this, that, or the other, or if I just had this, then I'd be so happy. No, 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 no. You are where you are be in that moment, right? And also don't get so tied up in, if I just had this, then I'd be this, or if I could just find my passion, that you're forcing yourself to not find it, right? Mm -hmm. when, you, when you're searching for something actively, I feel that it runs from you. Don't chase something. Be who you are in the moment and be open to finding that, but don't, don't force it. I think the best things in life come when you are open to them happening, excited about the potential, but not trying to force it. And I think that my passion, I think my passion has been in me my entire life. And I think most people will find at the end of their lives that they spent their entire adult life getting back to who they were when they were kids. That carefree, super confident, excited, passionate, lit up person mm -hmm. that just loves life and is happy to be here. And I think we spend most of our lives trying to get back to that, unknowingly or knowingly. And the faster you figure it out, the more happy you are, so. So you really found your passion with being a podcaster and helping other entrepreneurs. And what would you say your main goal of Traditionally Incorrect is? I would say the tagline, get out of your head and get into action. Um, and I think just if I could, A, give the people on my show the ability to celebrate themselves, right? I talked about in my first businesses, never celebrating anything and just saying, oh, when I get here, then I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. Oh, when, I'll get, when I get here, then I'll be proud of myself. Giving the people on my show that moment in time to look back on and just say, damn, I was doing the thing, right? Like, I'm so proud of myself. I get to show my kids. I get to look back on this in five years when I'm done 20 more things or expanded and just really be proud of myself. Um, that's one big piece for me. and. Again, like I said with my first business, I think that if I'd put myself out there more and really owned the business, mm -hmm. then it may have been harder for the organization that did end up sadly taking it to do that. Um, so giving these people the platform to share their knowledge, their experiences with other people, and then as a goal for the listener, I would say just, we all bank on 10, 20, 20 years, 30 years to really figure it out, right? To like go after what it is that makes us happy. If you know what it is right now and you're not going after it, tomorrow's not guaranteed, right? And people always say that, I remember when I went to college, entrepreneurship still wasn't a real thing. It was kind of taboo. Like, oh, you're going into entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't you get like an accounting degree and just become an accountant? Shouldn't you do the safe path? Um, nothing is safe. And it's such a misconception. Mm -hmm. um, you could, I mean, we witnessed this in the pandemic, right? People had been 
in their careers for 20, 30, 40 years with the same company and they had to lay everyone off. Did they wanna do that? No, but they were forced to. That safe path you took when you turned down your dream 20, 30, 40 years ago, they're kind of the same thing. They're both a risk. So you need to take a risk on the things that light you up, that make you happy, that make you feel fulfilled. If I can inspire people to really get out of their heads and figure out what it is that they're truly passionate about, or if they already know to just go for it, it'll be a success. And why do you think that podcasts are the best outlet for you to really share this message with the masses? So I think podcasts, a lot of people have a misconception that it's just audio, right? And the bigger platforms make it a little harder for us because we don't get to have the audio and the video unless we have so many followers or subscribers mm -hmm. or downloads. Um, so I'll be on YouTube, YouTube. Uh, with audio and video. It's really a show. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's the best outlet because this day and age, we can have our own reality show, we can have our own TV show in general just at our fingertips. We can create that. We don't have to wait for a big network to come scoop us up and say, you're worthy. And that's something I talk about all the time. No one, there's not a fairy godmother that's coming around with a wand and tapping you and saying, you're capable. You're worth it. Mm -hmm. You get to do this. You're an authority. You get to make these. No one's coming to tell you that you can go after it. Um, and I think that's one of the coolest things about podcasting and YouTube and audio and video is just being able to decide what you put out there, right? Uh, and not really being censored per se. Like I can put out what I believe in and mm -hmm. these people can come on the show and know that they can be themselves fully too. They're not subscribing to some sort of narrative um, of maybe being on a traditional network or show of hey, we're following this theme or we're, this isn't something that we're talking about or anything like that. So I think it's a great way for people to get out there and to really share what they think with the world. And I completely agree. That's obviously yeah. why we have this podcast. We really want to create that content to inspire and help other people. Absolutely. And being a podcaster, you know, this industry is, it's new. It is it a is. new growing industry. And how would you say that you measure or define success as a podcast host? So I'm just getting started. So it's a little tough for me to answer that. But I would say I stopped finding my success outside of myself, right? I stopped defining what success was by metrics that I could not control. Um, so success for me now is, am I fulfilled? Do I feel like every day I get to wake up and do something that I get genuinely excited about? Am I helping people? Am I taking the lessons I've learned and applying them in my life and also sharing them with others. Those are success met metrics to me. And then do I get to come home at the end of the day and be proud of what I did? Mm -hmm. um, and so in a general sense, that would be success for me. But in a, like a metric sense for podcasting, it would be, hey, I need to get my YouTube monetized. What does that take? 4,000 watch hours and 1,000 subscribers, X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. So those kind of things are metrics that have been forced on me from the outlets I've chosen to use. So those will definitely be the podcast metrics for success. And, you know, you did start young as an entrepreneur. Yes. You said you were doing lemonade stands. Yes. You've had all of this time to learn, but what's something that you wish you could have told your younger self? I did uh, Pokemon cards too. I just remember that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what <laughs> I was- Done it all. Did not know what I was doing with them, but I just knew when somebody was like, that I had a good card and then I could <laughs> sell it to them for more. Um, but I'm sorry, ask me again what you said. That just hit me and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> just remember that. I was asking, you know, 
you've done all these amazing things when you were younger and right. what's something that you wish that you could have told your younger self? There's actually a story I was thinking of yesterday before I came on here. Um, my logo kind of forms a box just to the outside eye. There's no real box, right? Mm -hmm. But it, when you look at it, your mind kind of goes to make a box. Um, and everybody used to say, think outside the box, you know, be creative, you'd be in art class, and think outside the box, what box? There was never a box, mm -hmm. right? The only box that we have on our limitations, on who we are, what we can be, we've created, or we've listened to someone else create them for me, mm -hmm. for us. And so for me, as a kid, I think I'd go back, and I was very headstrong and independent as a child too. Um, and one thing I really pride my myself and my mother on is I refused to be silenced in class, not at the best times, but my mother also put her foot down and was like, no, she's gonna express who she is. Mm -hmm. um, and as a kid, I think I'd go back and say, hey, there's nothing wrong with you for being excited about life and about being passionate and outspoken and, and wanting to make change and not putting, not bowing down just because someone tells you that you can't do something, right? There's, there's no limitations, we create them for ourselves. And my grandmother, when I was very young, I'll never forget, I walked in the house and I had this bouquet of flowers for her. I thought, oh, I'm the best granddaughter. She looked at me and she was like, no, throw them out, throw them out. And I was, you know, what, mm -hmm. what do you mean? And she was like, you're allergic to those. And I was like, what? <laughs> and there were marigold flowers that yeah. like, grew on the side of the road. She's like, you're super allergic. You're not gonna be able to breathe. My entire life up until I was about 18 or 19, was convinced I was allergic to marigolds. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, her daughter was, my aunt. So when we get told these things as a kid, we create these structures and these boxes in our mind mm -hmm. where we're like, I can't have those. And if I'm allergic to those, and I might be allergic to these. And we start building all of these belief systems around it. I was never even allergic to the damn flowers, you know? So I think just always having a healthy dose of skepticism and of questioning things and not getting yourself in that box in the first place. You won't even have to think outside of it, so. That's such a good lesson. You know, you yeah. can't just take these things and you gotta take it with a grain of salt. Absolutely. And what is the biggest takeaway that you hope our listeners learn today from the podcast, just to wrap this up? I would say, keep listening. You're gonna learn something. We can learn something from everybody, right? Even the people that we think we have nothing in common with, they will teach you something. Um, and I would also say, even if it doesn't work for you the first time, the second time, the third time, the thing that separates the uber successful from the people that had a lot of potential and didn't live up to it is just not stopping, right? Just, just get back up no matter how hard it is. Because the only thing that's going to guarantee that you're not successful is stopping, bottom line. That's a great lesson. Well, Kelsey, thank you thank so you. much for being on our podcast. And where can our listeners find you and your podcast online? Absolutely. So YouTube, Traditionally Incorrect. Um, Instagram, at Traditionally Incorrect. And then I'm, it's Kelsey Duncan. Um, find me there. And we'll, we'll be launched soon. And I can't wait to share this, this whole movement with the world. So thank you again for having of course. me. And we can't wait. And my name is Naja Sasa, and you can find us at, at Gen Tech Marketing on all social media platforms. Kelsey, thank you again, and you. we'll see you guys next week. Thank you.